Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Roker Report podcast in association with the Sunday Community Soup Kitchen. It's Gav and you join us for an impromptu show today uh, as Sunland have appointed Alex Neal, the former Preston and Norwich manager, as our new head coach to take over from Lee Johnson and hopefully stabilise what's been a, a, a sorry couple of weeks or so for Sunderland and get us back to normal. Uh, I'm joined as always by Martin. Hi mate. How are you Gav? I'm fine. I've got, I'm on my third cup of tea, mate. It's nice and early today, isn't it? We've decided to do this first thing in the morning. Um, and uh, we have a special guest with us today to talk a little bit about Alex Neal, somebody who knows a lot more about than any of us do. It's Jake Oates from the From the Finney podcast. Hiya, Jake. Hello. Thanks for having me. No problem. We really appreciate you coming along. So we'll get straight into it then, because like I've just said there, we don't know a great deal about Alex Neal. I know who he is. I know how he's managed. I mean, I know a lot more about him now having spoke quite a lot to Preston and Norwich fans on social media than I did perhaps, you know, before the morning, because yesterday morning we were all still waiting to see what was going on with Roy Keane and, and that's fallen through and it seems as though Alex Neal's the second choice, but he is the one they've went for uh, nonetheless. Uh, first of all, what's your thoughts on Alex Neal coming to Sunderland? Because I've saw from quite a lot of Preston fans, a lot of people are surprised he's dropping into League One. They think it's a bit of a coup. Yeah, I feel the exact same, um, especially with from what I've read um, and from what I've seen on social media, it looks like it's a contract till the end of the season, obviously with one aim for you guys and, and that's to get you promoted. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a coup. I'm a bit surprised that he's decided to take the job, but you know, there's a few of us in a little group chat that we're all like guests or co-hosts on the, on the podcast and We've been saying over the last few weeks, because we're all big fans of Alex, we've been saying how if you don't get back in a job soon, you're quite easy to get forgotten about. So I wouldn't wonder if maybe he's, he's on that sort of wavelength as well and thinking, I, I need to get myself a job to, to keep myself in, in people's eyes for potentially something in the future. Yeah, it's interesting with the um, the contract, because there's some reports that say it's till the end of the season, other reports are suggesting it's, it's 18 months till the end of next season. But as you say, it's... It's that opportunity for him to get himself in the shop window. And if it is till the end of the season and he does a good job or a decent job here, he, he's right back in, in the in the limelight, isn't he? And I think he's been at work for what well, the best part of a year, hasn't he? If it's not a, a full year. I think it's it's closer to eighteen months. It was March last year. Uh no, it's not. I'm I got that <laughs> totally off. Coming up a year. It, coming up to a year, isn't it? it must be yeah. yeah, it's coming up a year. And we were sort of, as North End fans, under the impression that Alex was still being paid by the club 
till the end of the season. So I think that's probably where I've got my 18, <laughs> near to 18 months from. We'll go back to the sort of start when he when he came into Preston and because it's <laughs> the interesting caveat to all of this is that he actually replaced somebody who came to Sunderland, which was Simon Grayson, and less said about that, the better. But he came into Preston to replace Grayson and actually lasted quite a while. I mean, in football management, to last what was probably four years or so, it's pretty good going. Um, but he took over a stable side, didn't he? What did he do originally that kicked you up a notch? Well, I mean, like you say, he, he was at the club for quite a while. I think it was four seasons, in, well, just short of four seasons in total. Un- under Grayson, we'd sort of stabilised in the league. Obviously, he brought us up from League One and he, he made us a sort of solid, steady championship club. We, we were sort of hard to break down and I'm sure obviously you guys have seen it with Simon as well he, he liked to protect the lead when he got it and, and we, we never really had a lead when Grayson was manager <laughs> good point um, it felt like with Simon that we were never going to push on to that next level he'd, he'd sort of taken us as far as we could which was mid-table in the championship maybe maybe the odd time flirting with the playoffs but never really serious and then Alex came in and for, for us, it was, you know, at the time, a lot of North End fans thought it was a bit of a coup. You know, a manager coming in with a promotion to the Premier League on his CV. Um, hadn't been out of work all that long, but the short break that he had had, uh, he, he'd come in and sort of said how he was ready to get back in. And yeah, he just, like you said a minute ago, he, he just sort of kicked us up a notch. And I think, you know, credit to Simon Grayson, he built a good squad. It, like I said, he'd made us quite staunch, quite like sort of hard to break down, hard to beat. And Alex took us on to that next level. He helped develop like four or five, five or six different players that the club have gone on to sell and have made the best part of 20 million quid. North End have made, never made 20 million quid from player sales in as long as I can remember, which is about 25 years. <laughs> um, so Alex is, is sort of someone that he, he splits the fan base. A lot of people say, oh, he wasn't that good for us. It's it's like it's a bit of a myth that he was a good coach, but I think a lot of that is recency bias. I think people forget the first season when you know he came in and it was like he'd lit a fire under under the club and and some of the players. He got us playing a really high pressing game. We we weren't giving opponents a second to dwell on the ball. We 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 would like swarm teams that came to Deepdale and going away from home. We we sort of because of what Simon had built, we were still quite hard to break down, hard to beat. But because of what Alex added with that high pressing game, that high intensity, it, it just made us a bit of a different animal, a bit of a yeah. different beast away from home. And it was just great to watch, you know, like we'd, we we went away to Fulham and I think we were, it was either 3-2 or 2-1, I can't remember what it was, but we were winning with like 20 seconds to go and then Chris Maxwell came to try and claim a free kick into the box and dropped it and they scored an equaliser but that that game on the whole you know we we, we battered Fulham that season I think in 2017-18 season and they they was they were one of the best teams in the league and you know they couldn't couldn't get near us for large parts of it uh, we drew with Wolves at home the season that they went up uh, no sorry I think we drew with Wolves away again they, they just couldn't seem to cope with us Derby games I mean, I know, obviously, I'm not trying to annoy you here, but, you know, you're not in the same league as Newcastle. Um, but he was just brilliant at setting the team up. I think he lost one derby game in four seasons. We won right. most. There might have been a couple of draws. Um, 
And yeah, that, that first season, we, we missed out on the playoffs by two points and, and it all came down to, we played Derby at home and they beat us 1-0. We missed the penalty about 50, 60 minutes in, something like that, missed the penalty and, and they went on to win. And Tom Lawrence scored a free kick and, and them winning that game is basically what got them into the playoffs, two points ahead of us. And it looking back, it feels a bit of a shame that, he never quite got us into the playoffs because yeah. we were good enough because of what he'd done. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting listening to you talk about your style of play because one thing that we were pretty good at under Lee Johnson was pressing the ball, and and um, you know I think I think that's probably played a part in in him coming into Sunderland because that's one of the better aspects of our play. But the the downside to that with Lee Johnson was that we couldn't defend. We really struggled to stop the goals going in the other end. So, do you do you see him being the type of coach who can shore us up defensively? Because for me, is from my perspective, and I can only speak for me, but I think that's the big thing that the that he needs to address when he walks into Sunderland is just the sheer amount of goals we're conceding. Yeah, I think it will make you harder to beat. Like I said, he's tactically he's one of the best. Uh, for me, he's probably one of the hardest working managers in the AFL and. When, when he was at North End, you'd hear players coming out in the press and saying how sort of driven he was, how hard-working he was, the amount of work that he put in on, on opposition and setting the team up. So, yeah, I've no doubt it'll make you harder to, to break down and harder to, to sort of carve open, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, even in-game, you know, he's, he's, he's really flexible in-game. I remember we played Rovers at home a couple of seasons ago just before COVID and we were 2-0 down inside like 20 minutes, 25 minutes. They absolutely flew out of the blocks and they were all over us. And it was like, ah, where are we going with this here? And he took off Paul Gallagher after about 35 minutes and brought Jaden Stockley on. So a midfielder off, striker on and completely changed the game. And we ended up winning 3-2. And mm. it's little moments like that where... He's, he's just got that something about him. He'd rather, I think he'd rather go for a game and try and shore up a win, even if you're already winning or, you know, if you're losing, he's not afraid to sort of throw caution to the wind and, and go for it. Yeah. And, you know, there's a game in the, in his last season here, we were, we went to Brentford, we were 2-0 down at half time, and we came out and absolutely blew them away for about 20 minutes at the start of the second half. We ended up winning 4-2. I think we oh. scored four goals in about 17 minutes. And, you know, it, think that the issue with North End fans and Alex is he's not someone that will come in, I don't think, unless he's he's changed in the sort of time that he's been out of work. He's not someone that will come in and be full of charisma. And he might be someone that some fans find hard to sort of gravitate to. But I think that is in part down to the fact that he is just so focused on the job in front of him. Mm-hmm. And a lot of fans, and I'm sure it's probably the same with a lot of other fans of other clubs that maybe struggled during COVID times and during the behind closed doors games. We we rarely drew under Alex when it was like the behind closed doors games. It was either a win or a defeat. And oftentimes we'd we'd win and then we'd lose two on the bounce and then we'd win again and then we'd lose and then we'd win. And it was those back-to-back defeats at times that our fans just seem to get really high and then really low. Yeah. And then obviously when the lows start to build up, you start to remember the lows more and more. And and I think that's tainted a few people's memories. People seem to have forgotten about the first couple of seasons. And even his third season, he took us he took us top of the championship. Uh, we played Charlton away 
North End haven't been top of the championship since Paul Simpson was in charge in 2007, I think it was, 2008 maybe. Um, and he, he was at that point as well. He was in the midst of having some of his best players taken away from him and not having them adequately replaced. Mm. Um, so to still take us to the top of the championship at the time, and I know we, we fell away in the end uh, because of COVID happening, but... Yeah, it's it's. It, I think if you see anyone slagging him off, I think have bear in mind that there's an element of recency bias to it. I would say, Jake, it's interesting that you see um, Alex Neal is not the sort of manager who'll come in full of charisma, and you know some fans might not gravitate towards him immediately because that's that's what we've had with Lee Johnson, but probably to a, a sort of a, another side of it because he came in full of charisma and that turned some people off um, straight away. So. He, you probably want somewhere in the middle, ideally, don't you? But it was I was listening to a, a podcast earlier about Alex Neal um, and his spell at Preston. And I think it was recorded just after he, he lost his job. And the lads on there were saying, you know, he, he found it hard to turn around once it sort of go, started going in the wrong direction. He was trying different things, but he couldn't really seem to, to turn it around. I think he'd lost 10 home games um, in, in the season up to the point he, he'd lost his job. And I think it was a game after, after Luton. That he he got the sack, wasn't it? So like, what what was it there? Because I, I think there was an interview as well, wasn't it? Where he said he he didn't know what on earth was going on. He's going to crawl in under his bed for a few days and hide or whatever it was. Like, so what what actually happened? What, what do you think really went wrong? Like, like I said, you know, I think the the behind closed doors games and everything that happened with COVID because of how he is as a manager. I think he he needs that sort of extra element of like fans on match day to sort of not just help him, but help his teams as well. I think the way that he gets his teams up for a game, he buys into that sort of crowd and, and the, the 12th man kind of thing. So I don't think he'll have an issue with that at the stadium alike. But there was a lot going on off the field with with Alex. Like I mentioned a minute ago, he over a few seasons, he had his best players taken away and sold from under his feet. And the club made the best part of 20 million quid. And I dare say he even got a third of that back to spend and find adequate replacements. I don't think we've adequately replaced any of the players that we sold under Alex. Um, Callum Robinson to Sheffield United for about six or seven million quid. We brought in Scott Sinclair on a free. Now, no disrespect to Scott or North End, but you know, there's probably a reason why Scott Sinclair is coming to Preston North End and not going to another club. <laughs> we've lost Jordan Hugill. I think he scored 12 goals in all comps before he left in January. And we've only just this season seen a striker come in and hit double figures since he's left. So I think there was a frustration there. Well, there definitely was. You could see it in the media. He'd At the start of a window, he'd come out and be like, we need three or four quality players. And then halfway through the window, it'd be like, we need two or three quality players. And then a week to go of the window, <laughs> he's like, we just need a quality player. <laughs> so I think... I think there was a lot of frustration with sort of the way the club was being run and, and I dare say the way he wasn't being back to the way that he would have wanted. And yeah, I think when things started to run away from him on the pitch, I think at that point he's, his head probably just wasn't in it. And I think yeah. that was evident with that. Like you just mentioned that interview that he did where, you know, he, he's just staunch, he's a hardy Scotsman and you don't get that sort of emotional feeling from him at times and to see him come out and say that after he left North End I think a few people sort of were a bit taken aback by it like oh fucking hell like maybe it was a bit worse than than perhaps was being sort of 
uh, alluded to. And, and you know, when, when a manager is in charge of a football club, it's it's up to them to protect the integrity of the football club, isn't it? So, mm-hmm. the, you know, he probably wasn't ever going to come out while he was in charge and say, yeah, do you know what? I'm struggling. I'm, I'm finding it really hard. And, and yeah, I think, I think ultimately, I think he's, it was probably just a, a good time for him to go for all parties involved, to be honest. And ultimately, I think the, the off the field stuff is what, what sort of led to it all happening. What would you say he was like as a man manager? Because I would say one of the, um, one of the main pluses in the column for Lee Johnson was that he is actually genuinely a nice person. And I think some of the reports we've seen since he left was that some of the players were upset that he'd left. So Alex Neal's going into a dressing room that is quite low at the minute. Quite a lot of them are probably still hurting from the fact that Lee Johnson left. Quite a few of them are hurting from, from the recent results. Is he the type of manager who'll go in there, put an arm around them? Or will he? is, is he going to give them a rocket? Because quite a lot of our fans believe that the players need a rocket at the minute. Without wanting to sound like I've got a splinter stuck in my arse and I'm sat on a fence, <laughs> um, it, it'll be a bit of both, I think. You know, when he, when he came into North End, I think Simon Grayson was very much a manager that the players liked. They liked working with him. They were used to working with him because he'd been there for so long. And I was a bit concerned, you know, like, like I've said, this sort of hardy Scotsman, he's going to come in, how's he going to take, how the lad's going to take to him? And, you know, that first season was some of the best football I've seen at North End. And I think, I think yeah, it'll be a bit of both. But if the contract is longer than till the end of the season, if players don't buy into what he wants, I think they'll very quickly find themselves sort of on the periphery. I wouldn't say frozen out because I don't think he ever would freeze someone out completely. No. But they'll very quickly find themselves on the periphery. And it's I think, yeah, I think it's Alex's way or the highway. Right. Yeah. And and it, it worked for North End. It absolutely worked for North End. And, you know, like I said, he's very flexible in game when it comes to tactics. He's very tactically astute. He's probably one of the hardest working managers in the AFL, in my opinion in terms of the way you'll set the team up, make sure the lads know everything they need to know. They'll know the roles. They'll know what they need to do for 90 minutes. And, yeah, I'm going to be keeping a keen eye on Sunderland's results, which is something I never thought I'd say. (laughs) (laughs) One thing I'm interested in, Jake, obviously Alex Neil had, um, I think it was Frank McAvoy, wasn't it, alongside Matt Norwich and at North End. And McAvoy took over from Alex Neil at Preston. He's just um, joined Hearts, I think, a couple of weeks ago, hasn't he, as... As director of youth, kind of director. yeah. How big a factor is that in in Alex Neil? Because you know we've we've seen, um, for example, with Martin O'Neill when he took over, it was always Martin O'Neill and John Robertson. John Robertson, he never actually made it to to, to Sunderland. That was always put down and attributed to Martin O'Neill not really firing at, at Sunderland. So, how important do you think has McAvoy been to Alex Neil, and how do you think he'll manage without him? It's hard to say because I've heard a lot of stuff sort of off the record that obviously I can't really say about Frankie and Alex. It will be interesting because his Alex's team, if you will, he came to North End and brought Frankie with him. Joe Savage followed shortly after, who was, can't remember his title when he was at Norwich, but it was something along the lines of like head of recruitment. Don't quote me on that, but it was near enough the same sort of thing. Uh, and then obviously he, they both came to North End with Alex Joe Savage left and is now the, I think, the director of football up at Hearts. And obviously, Frankie's just gone to Hearts as the academy director. So it'll be interesting to see who Alex brings in with him. If he is allowed to bring anyone in with him, he might, he might Sunderland might, I don't know what the situation is with Lee Johnson's staff, whether they've left or not. But 
yeah, it'd be interesting to see who he decides to bring in. Yeah, he obviously is someone that's got a lot of contacts in football. Overall, then, a good appointment, you would say? Or, or are you are you on the fence with that as well? <laughs> no, I think I, I'll be firm with that. I think it's yeah. a very good appointment. I think I mentioned it on Twitter last night. I think it's a coup to get Alex to go down to League One. You don't employ Alex Neal unless you want promotion. Might sound like an obvious thing to say because every club's going to appoint a manager with the aim of promotion. But you look <laughs> at his CV, you look at what he's done. It's a good appointment. I'm happy for Alex because... I like him. I met with him a couple of weeks ago and spent an hour or so with him just chatting about things that happened at North End and his time in football in general. You know, he, he seems refreshed, ready to go. And yeah, I'm going to, like I said earlier, I'm going to keep an eye out for how you guys get on with a bit more of a keen eye than I usually would. <laughs> well, best of luck for the rest of the season. Uh, Jake, thanks for joining us, mate. Really appreciate it. Not a problem. And I hope you're right about Alex Neal. Yeah. Cheers. Thank you very much. Cheers, Cheers mate. Jake. Thank you very much. So that was Jake Oates from the From the Finney podcast. He's also a writer for Lancashire Live. Interesting perspective on Alex Neal, given he has a, a personal relationship with him, clearly. But it sounds like we're getting so, a little bit of what we need, Martin. I think my big, uh, I think my big play co- coming into this sort of recruitment process, if I hate calling it that, but my big play coming into this was that we had to bring in somebody who's a bit of a disciplinarian, somebody who has authority, and it sounds like Alex Neal has that, but he also plays really good football. It does, and it's funny, isn't it? Whenever we, we go through this process of changing manager or head coach, you always look for what you didn't have before. So yeah. when we got rid of Parkinson, well, when we got, got Parkinson in, like, oh, he'll he'll sort the fence out and he'll make us, we won't concede those, those goals and we'll turn those draws into wins and get Lee Johnson now. He's a bit more attacking with bit too defensive with Parkinson, so you're kind of looking for that little hmm. little bit of magic, aren't you, now to say, well, how can you, and we said it last time, didn't we? how can we just tinker with what we've got, or what we had before Bolton, sorry, um, just to make it a harder team to beat, um, but not lose that attacking prowess, and I think from what Jake was, was saying there, and what we've we've read and, and listened to over the, the past 24 hours, when it's become evident that Alex Neal probably is going to be the person to, to come into the club, he does play on the front foot. He does play with the, the high press. He plays the four-two-three-one system that we've employed for a lot of the season. Um, mm. So it kind of seems like a it seems like a logical appointment to come in and replace Johnson at, at this point. It would have been a lot more logical two weeks ago if we'd made the the appointment um, on the Monday after Lee Johnson lost his job. Yeah, but that's a whole other conversation about the process, the recruitment process, as you say, Gav, that we've um, been yeah, through. Yeah. That- that's been the big frustration, hasn't it? And I know we've went over this on previous pods, but it's taken them far too long to make this appointment. Like, I'm pretty steadfast in in my opinion that Alex Neal would have walked to Sunderland to take training on that Tuesday morning. So, 100%. you know, for the, the fact it's taken this long, we've thrown the last two games, essentially, really. I think I think what they didn't expect was us to lose those two games. When I say they, I mean, I mean the sporting director and the owner. They've got it so badly wrong, it's unreal. Um, but at this stage, I think now we've got a new man in, we sort of just have to move forward, don't we? I mean, it's not going to do anyone any favours dwelling on all of that now. Alex Neal needs our support, really. And um, I'll be honest, I wasn't, when it, especially sort of as it came around the same time the news dropped, Roy Keane had turned the job down, um, I wasn't overly enamoured with him. But then I spent quite a lot of time talking to different Preston fans and Norwich fans on social media. And I was thrown, actually, by the fact nobody had a bad word to say against him. I mean, I know Jake's just said there that 
a lot he in his opinion that a lot of Preston fans are, are split on him. There's quite a lot of fans who who remember sort of the end of his tenure rather than all the good stuff he did. But pretty much every Preston fan I spoke to yesterday, in fact every Preston fan I spoke to yesterday was really, really uh, full of praise of him and 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 like him and you know a little bit gutted that it that he left and they appreciate the job he did there and I mean how many Sunderland managers can we say good things about really it's when you when you're bringing it into <laughs> not, comparison not many in so, recent times can we no no so fingers crossed that Alex Neil can come in and do the job I mean what a task he's got I know I know that he's got um he's got what we've played thirty one to this point so. What's that? Another fifteen games 15 left till the left. end of the season. I think Both to stand. 18. Yeah, I think I think when you look at the fact Wigan have four games in hand on Sunderland, two points ahead of us, you're talking about championship winning form needed to get up in them automatic places. Oh, look, I think you know it, it, at this point of the season with Neil coming in now, and given the fact that we've chucked those two games away against Doncaster and Cheltenham, we act, we just have to focus on our own race now. Yeah. Yeah. And go, okay, there's 15 games left. What can we get out of those 15 games? Can we can we get 35 points out of those 15 games? Can you know, what what can we do? And I think we we can only concern ourselves with our own form. There's no point in us looking around at Wigan and Rotherham until the final couple of games. And if there's a chance of going up automatically, great. But you know, there's so many things to sort out that have become evident over the past couple of weeks. And it's funny, like you say, Gav, with listening and reading things and talking to opposition fans on on social media, because, like to me, I, I'm I'm all right with Alex Neil taking over. I'm not like dancing in the streets or thinking it's a fantastic appointment. But I think it's a I think it's a logical appointment. I think it's safe-ish. I think he's a safe yeah. manager. Um, I I in, in an article I'd written earlier in in the week. Um, which is primarily criticising the the club for the way that handled everything um, up to up to that point. I think I described people like um, McCann and Alex Neal as, as crap managers who we could <laughs> bring in, and we we ultimately end up with with one of those. And I, I didn't um, necessarily mean they were completely crap in terms of the managerial ability, but it's just predictable. And to me, yeah. it's the kind of appointment that would have been made before this new regime took over. It's not nothing different. And I was actually quite interested yesterday when like I think it was Jody Morris and Enzo Moresco or Moresca got linked with the, the job and named as, as being people who we'd we talk to. Because to me they're more interesting candidates than than um, McCann or, or Neil. But I think out of the two of those I would I would pick pick Neil. And yeah. as you say, once he's here, we have to we'll, and everybody will obviously get behind him because ultimately Regardless of who's in the dugout, who's in the team, we all want Sunderland to go up this season. No, absolutely. Speaking of which, we've got a game on uh, Saturday, which I had totally put <laughs> the back of my mind because of everything that's gone on this week, just recent form. Um, yet again, we're playing a team in Wimbledon who are in horrendous form. That's not been an advantage to Sunderland at all in the last couple of weeks because both Doncaster and... Um, both Doncaster and who did we play? Cheltenham. Bloody hell, I've already forgot. Cheltenham, Cheltenham of course, yeah. yeah, Cheltenham. Both of those teams were in really poor form and still turned us over. So I'm not taking that for granted. They sat twentieth just above the relegation places, so they've got plenty to fight for. Um Wimbledon, from what I'm told, play nice football, the very which doesn't really 
tally up for me. I, I don't I don't associate Wimbledon <laughs> with nice, but apparently they do play decent stuff, which um, might suit Sunderland. I think the advantage for us going into this game is that whether Alex Neal is actually in the dugout uh, or whether he's um, watching from the stands and, and allowing the Chuckle brothers to take the team no, again. No, he can't. I can't. Um, <laughs> um, the important thing is for the players is that they're being watched and they need to up the game because in the last two, particularly, I mean, the last two, the last three games, we have been horrendous. The application's been poor. We've just not had it in us um, to turn over these poor teams. And, and I'm I'm really worried that um, it can't have an immediate effect. From what we're told from Norwich fans and from fans of Preston, he, he is capable of giving the teams that immediate bounce. Are you confident that we can get something? Oh, look, I think, you know, going from what Jake said um, earlier as well, Neil came into Preston and made a, an immediate difference. Now, that was in, I think it was in pre-season, because obviously Grayson joined us before the start of the season, didn't he? But it wasn't long before the start of the season, so no. Neil obviously went in Preston and, and gave, gave them a boost. The um, One of the um, things I was impressed with with what Jake said was that, you know, in Alex Neil's derby record, because... Getting the teams up for big games is where we failed a lot this yeah. season. Thing is, though, th- sorry to cut in on that, but I can remember Bristol City fans telling us about Johnson. Well, it's it through was the cups, goal- wasn't it? With um... it was a goalkeeper who I think it was Luke Steele. I always remember talking about this when we appointed Lee Johnson, but he was on like under the Kosh podcast or something, and he talked about how Lee Johnson was really good at getting the lads up for the big occasions, yeah. and then so I, I'm always like a little bit hesitant to take. Um, I think, do you know what it is? I think Jake's perspective there, just to go back to what we were talking about earlier, I think that's probably about as good as you're going to get it because he's like lived it, he's seen it. And I actually thought, you know, he was pretty balanced in what he said about Alex Neal, that, you know, wasn't all perfect. He's not this bundle of fun that's going to come flying into the club and cheer everybody up, <laughs> but he's a meticulous, hardworking coach who expects very high standards of his players. And that, Starts this weekend with Wimbledon, doesn't it? It starts with oh, it does an important three points that we have to get. Oh, we simply have to get them because even looking at the league table, there, if the teams below us win the games in hand, we drop out the playoffs. So it's it's a massive, it's a massive game, and you can't underestimate how important it is. And the, you know, to be fair to them on Tuesday, at least they did try to change it up and brought. I think there was five changes to the team, wasn't there? Yeah, there was, yeah. And you know, there the still wasn't the, the right application in the second half to get a, a result out of the, the game. So the players have to take responsibility for that. And we simply cannot go into Saturday with Mike Dodds and Michael Proctor leading the team or captaining the ship, as um, they've been saying, because like, <laughs> it's a disaster. Like You might as well just get somebody off the off the away fans to come in and do I it. I had to like. laugh at the... Um... Did you see the photo of uh, when Defoe was coming on, Michael Proctor with his arm round him? <laughs> I was just I was laughing at that. Just think, I, I, I yeah. don't mean to like slaughter the lad, but Christ, Michael Proctor telling Jermaine yeah. Defoe what to do was pretty funny, isn't it? You could oh, just make a run in here, Jermaine. You know, I, 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 did, I did it against Charlton. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, we've we've got to win. That's the top and bottom of it. We've got to win. Doesn't matter how we do it, and that has to be the attitude we adopt now till the end of the season. We've got some difficult games coming up. You know, we've got. Horror run after this one for me. I mean, MK oh, Dons who are, are challenging with us in that spot. Burton, who it doesn't matter what Burton are up to in the league, Burton always gives Sunderland a game home and yeah. away. 
then we have uh, Wigan away. We have Charlton away. Charlton again, a bit of a bogey team for us. So I, it'll set, it'll hopefully set us on our path. I mean, we have to win this game, like I've just said. But I mean, for confidence, just to get Alex Neil after a good start, it's an important game. I think from the players' perspective, though, Martin, like we were talking about earlier when we were talking to Jake, the defending's just got to be better. And I, I don't know how you address that, really. It'll be interesting to see what, what team selection we actually go with because, you know, we brought in Danny Bart to shore up that back line. You know, his debut against Portsmouth, he was really good. Other than that, he's looked poor. Um, yes. Callum Doyle looks like he could do with a rest, but how do you, what do you do? You know, do you, do you put RB Jamadli in? Is, is Bailey Wright anywhere near fit? We don't know that. So we are limited in what we can do. You know, ahead of them, Corey Evans has been really poor and he's meant to be the captain and sort of the defensive linchpin of the midfield. It's just not happening for him at the minute. So what do we do? What team do we pick? Because you're the man on the site who picks the team. It's Well, it's it's potluck most of the time, isn't it? But when, when injuries are there and when, when we sell all of our defenders, it's um, it's often quite easy, isn't it? But <laughs> I think the, the positives, uh, you know, the players you mentioned, yes, there's some, some negatives and some areas of concern there. I, I thought Triume had a, a good game. He did, on, yeah. On Tuesday night, I thought he looked solid and I think he settled into that well. And he certainly wasn't the reason that we got beat. No. I thought um, Matete... Looked really good, especially in the first half. And he certainly wasn't the reason that we, we got beat. Um, so I think you, you've got a couple of positives in there as well. But the, the concerns in the central of defence, um, in the centre of defence, you know, we've, as you say, Bart's looked like a, a clown after his first game. Flanagan's gone. Um, Doyle, after an impressive start of the season, looks as if he needs a, a rest. Bailey Wright, we don't know about. So, like, what can't you, there's not much we can do, is there? Yeah, we we tried to play Carl Winchester at the back last week, and that yeah. that backfires. So yeah, I, I don't. I, somehow I don't see Alex Neil doing that. I don't see him picking midfielders and putting them at centre half. Depends what people up um, up above him tell him to do, I guess. And, but well, <laughs> you, you think? Do you know what it is though? I mean, it was interesting hearing Jake say that he's one of the hardest working managers in the AFL. You'd imagine that in order to, and he's been through it from what we gather a number of interviews. <laughs> with with Speakman and Co. So you would think, well, he's actually done his research. Apparently, he's been coming to games, which is, you know, these are all things that you'd really expect any income yeah. manager to do. Apparently, Roy Keane didn't do all of these things, which might have been part of the reason why he didn't get the job, or you know, it didn't work out. But while Alex Neil, he's been he's been analysing games. Um, you would um, like to think as part of his interview process, he's presented the club the things he would do immediately to change things. So I don't think he's coming at this blind, you know. I think I think although he's only going to probably, as we record this, it's Friday morning. I mean, is he is he even going to take training today? I mean, we'll see how the day a, unfolds. A session with him if he's if he's lucky, but you'd think they'd be travelling today, wouldn't you? So yeah, so I think I think it, he's limiting what he can actually do on the training pitch, which means tactically, I wouldn't expect a, a massive difference. I would expect to see probably more of the same in terms of style and setup because it is hard to. You can't just flip the tactics without training with the players, especially when it's only one day. So, you know, I don't think we're going to see a massive change there, but mentality-wise, big difference, hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. It's... Lee Johnson changed the tactics after being in charge for an hour before the, the game against Wigan when he took over, didn't he? So, like, it didn't work. It could be done. <laughs> it didn't work. But like, the, like to me, the only thing you could do from a tactical perspective at the minute to help shore up the defence is actually play with two sitting midfield players or play with one sitting and two in front of them, so have the, the three in midfield rather than the two that we 
we go in with. Um, yeah. so, and you know, maybe that's something that he could consider having like Corey Evans and Matete um, playing deeper with Dan Neal in front of them, perhaps. Mm. Um, but I think you, know, you you kind of look well if the defenders aren't up to the job. How do you stop those balls getting slipped through? How do you stop the balls coming into the box? And I think sort of going a little bit more defensive in midfield is probably the only way you can you can do it. Another thing with um, Alex Neal, which we haven't touched upon, is that he he obviously had Alex Pritchard at Norwich, and he um, yes he did. He, he paid a lot of money from Pritchard. He, he paid did. a lot of money from yeah. So you know that's a potential positive in terms of getting the best out of for Pritchard. So you know, that that could work in in our favour. But it's you know again I know I know you said we've got to move on from the um, the circumstances that have, have led us to to this point, and we ha- we do have to because there's no point in in dwelling too much on it, but uh, we, we need to learn lessons from what's gone on in the past two weeks. Because if you look at it on, on, you know, on, on face value, going after Roy Keane and going after Alex Neal is two completely different recruitment strategies. Yeah. You're going for somebody who's box office, who's going to be manager, not be head coach. He's going to be manager. He's going to, you know, he hasn't been in a job for quite a while. He's going to come in and fire things up. He might not be tactically astute or, or as tactically astute as some, some other people might be, but he's got that you know box office ticket and he'll he'll fire the crowd up and get everybody on side. You've got Alex Neal, who seems to actually fit the strategy that we were led to believe we have. He um you know he plays the right sort of high press game that the, the club want to to put in. So I think th- there's been some things that we you know will need to be picked over in time, and whether that's at the end of the season or, or whatever, we kind of need to get to the bottom of that. And um you know, we've we've put a lot of blame on Christian Speakman as sporting director, and in my opinion, rightly so, because there's been some horrendously bad decisions made over the past couple of weeks at the club. And that's on the presumption that he's being allowed to do his job fully. And you know, the, there's going to be things that we need to know the answers to over the the coming months, because the the, the club have made a mockery of of replacing Lee Johnson, and it's it's been a mess. So, you know, there's something's not right behind the scenes and the, the need to, to sort that out because if that's not right, the manager's fighting the losing battle. Absolutely. Good points, well made. Well, we'll leave it there. Uh, like I say, we've got a big game against Wimbledon. We'll be covering every angle on the site with preview stuff, post-match ratings, post-match podcast, blah, 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 all that good stuff on rutreport.com. Um, fingers crossed Alex Neal gets off the best start he can as the manager. Like, we are... I like to think very balanced as a group of people. You'll get a clean slate and a fresh start from me. I can't speak for anyone else, but I imagine the rest of the lads will be in the same boat. I'd like to think that the fans will too, because, you know, he's, as you've just said, Martin, the process has been a mess, but it's not his fault that it's been a mess. He, like I say, I think he would have came in straight away had he been offered the job, and it's just the way that, you know, those above him at Sunderland have handled it. That's really led to this point. But yeah, we've got a big game. We've got to try and brush all that aside, even just for 90 minutes, to try and win the game, get them three points that are much needed. But yeah, if you uh, if you like this podcast, I never say this, but please rate <laughs> us on iTunes, please rate us on whatever your podcast app is, because I never ask it. And if you've been listening us to like. us for you know the last six years or whatever it's been since we started this podcast, um, and I haven't once asked that, I think you can just <laughs> take the minute or so that it takes just to rate us. Uh, or like on YouTube and all that other good stuff. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you all down the road. Cheers.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.